Hey, it's Fred from PV Electronics down here in Meridian, Mississippi. Check out this next episode of PV Monitor featuring Ryan Bruce, a.k.a. Fluff, from Riffs and Beards YouTube channel and BlackMetalBicycle.com. Check it out. Thanks for listening. So uh, tell me a little bit about your uh, YouTube channel. I'm a big fan. You know, I've been watching it for a couple of years now. Uh, when did it start? How many subscribers you got? And what are you doing these days? Oh, man. Um, so the, the YouTube channel kind of started haphazardly in, it was real late 2010. And it was just to get, I just needed a video example to post uh, a song. I just started home recording. And I just wanted to record some audio and have a way to show show my friends. And couple of months goes by and I'm on, I'm on a guitar form and someone, there's a, a bunch of people arguing the differences between an Audix i5 and an SM57 microphone, but hilariously, none of them had both microphones. So it was all theoretical, like arguing. It was, you know, on a forum, go figure, right? So I was like, well, I have both those microphones. So I made a video comparing the two and it got a hundred views. And I thought, I don't even know a hundred people. Like that's, <laughs> that's right. That's nuts. And uh, I just started doing it. I just, I loved it. And uh, I, I had to learn how to shoot video, edit video, record audio, track audio, and then play guitar all at the same time. Well, it turned out pretty good. I mean, I, I've watched just because of the PV content on there. And then I started oh, watching thanks, man. other videos. Oh, it's great. It's great. Thank Absolutely you. Love it. And what I really like about it is you tend to know what you're talking about. And that is, uh, you know, it's really refreshing to hear somebody when they're talking about gear that actually knows a little bit about the gear they're, they're talking about. I try to stick to things that I'm actually, like, I was always this guy. Like, even, even all the way back in the 90s, I was that gear nerd, and my circle of friends would always ask me where, you know, it's the best bang for the buck, whatever, you know, distortion pedal, overdrive pedal, or amp, or whatever. So, I don't know, I've always just kind of been this guy. Um, so, to me, it's just me nerding out about stuff, you know, um, 5150 lineage and, you know, all that stuff. Like, you know, uh, Matt and Corey from Trivium, they recently bought, they went out and bought every single iteration of 5150 and 6505 ever made. And they started with me and my videos, you know, Matt, they're friends of mine. And Matt was just like, dude, every, every time we search something, you come up so we're just going to start asking you questions like you know blah blah these differences all this stuff so like they're great it's cool yeah, yeah it's it's cool that people can use that kind of stuff as a resource for their own stuff which was the whole point of all the all of my stuff for me personally i just wanted to kind of take the veil off because i that wasn't that wasn't really a thing when i started doing youtube videos like there wasn't there wasn't what it it wasn't what it is now it's it's so so huge and big and oversaturated in a lot of ways but yeah, it's, yeah, uh, it's, it's still doing a great job. It's entertaining too, and I mean, half thanks. of the job about watching somebody is they, they got to be entertaining. I mean, they can know they're giving. <laughs> yeah, Bueller. <laughs> um, <laughs> you do a lot of recording, right? I, I hear you do some producing as well. I do. Um, you know, the producing stuff I do as I can or as I have time. Um, there's a few local uh, punk bands. Uh, you know, back in, back when I was a kid, I was in uh, uh, punk rock a lot, and there's a few bands that around here that are really, really good. I'm in the Seattle area and uh, I produced a couple of records for some local bands when I have time. Um, I'll engineer, I'll mix, I'll do vocals, I'll, you know, just whatever. I love the recording process and I love just all of that stuff. Um, 
And I heard recently your band got signed during the pan pandemic here, Dragged Under. Tell me about that. Yeah, um, we put out, so a year ago, we started the band out of the ashes of our old band. Uh, and we recorded some songs. We got actually, there was a snow blizzard up here in Seattle last February, and we basically got stuck in the studio. And so we had basically five straight days of energy drinks and Thai food and going nuts at three o'clock in the morning. And because the old band was effectively dead, we were recording things that we found interesting and fun. And that was the only purpose. That was the, that was, that was the only criteria. And so we ended up with four demo songs that we were really excited about. And we just started showing our friends. Um, Joey Bradford, our manager now, um, plays guitar in a band called The Used. And he was like, these are insane. These songs are amazing. Let me help you guys. And like, okay, we've never had any help before. Um, my previous bands have always been 100% DIY. We've done US tours, do it yourself. And we had help and people were excited about the songs so much that they started pulling us up and helping us. And so many people, you know, the used as a band have helped us so much. So anyway, uh, they took us out on a US tour. The used did. Um, starting right after NAM, the day after NAM ended in January. And we were on the road with them for almost two months. And we started in San Diego and we went all the way around the U.S. and through the U.S. and made it all the way back. And by the time we got to New York, there were like nine labels waiting to see us. And there was a bidding war and all of these amazing labels were really, really excited about us. But, uh, we, we ended up really broing down uh, with Mascot Label Group, who we eventually just recently signed with. And uh, they're super stoked on us, and we are so stoked on them. And uh, it's going to be really cool. They have a, or they've had uh, Gojira and Volbeat and P.O.D. and Joe Bonamassa. And like, sure, sure. All these amazing artists, and uh, they're just they're so cool. They've been so, so good to us. Well, that's fantastic. Well, let's talk a little bit about gear, which seems to be one yeah. Subjects. Tell me a little bit about your history with PV. Uh, you know, myself, I got started playing PV when I was 13 years old. Yeah. I, I grew up uh, with PV and as a musician and played in a lot of garage bands and so on and so forth for the years and had a passion for PV. That's how I ended up where I'm at. Tell me a little bit about your story and, and about PV. So my, my story with PV actually starts pretty much the second I started playing guitar. Um, I bought a kick guitar with uh, from my uncle my uncle dennis and it was like a homemade it was, but it was like a neck through it was very very 70s like it had all brass hardware and it had he had a really i don't even i don't honestly know what kind of amp it was it was a really really bad amp and eventually it just it didn't work anymore and my dad briefly played bass in the 70s uh, when he was in high school and he knew the pv stuff from then um, I had a friend that was selling a PV Rage 158, uh, the original kind with the, uh, looks like, you know, the popcorn, not Tolex stuff, um, yeah, yeah. the gray and blue. And <laughs> there was, oh, I just, I loved that amp because um, it had the switchable distortion. Mm -hmm. And uh, what I would do, and so eventually, so I had that amp for about a year or two. And eventually my dad was like, you know, you can see where it you know, the speaker plugs in and he's into electronics and he built computers and he was a Unix admin at Boeing. 
And he was like, as long as, you know, we don't exceed the ohms and get too low of the ohms rating, we can actually utilize uh, an extension speaker for your combo amp. <laughs> and I did. I had, a, I had a 115 Univox guitar cab with a PV Rage 158. And I had that combo for like two years playing in my friends' garages. And eventually I had this hilarious setup of I had six Rages with a splitter my dad built and it was just this wall of PV rages. <laughs> <laughs> it was funny because the, the gap between a combo amp and an actual like head cabinet was very, very vast. I just didn't, no one had the resources back then to, right. to make that kind of leap. Right. Um, it's like it is today where you have just everything at every price point. And so then I graduated, I think I got a bandit One Twelve after that which was one of the loudest amplifiers I have ever owned in my entire life. And eventually I wanted a head and a cabinet. So I play for a couple years. Um, I haven't really played many shows, but when I do start playing shows about 17, 18 years, I, I started playing guitar when I was 14. So by the time I turned about 17, 18 years old, I'm graduating high school. Uh, I had an uncle, a great uncle, who was actually a NASA engineer who designed the, the circuit board for the first lunar rover. Cool. Uh, he got bored at NASA and quit and formed a jazz band and went and toured for 20 years. Right? <laughs> like, that's what kind of guy he was. But, but because he was a touring musician, this happened in the 70s, because he was a touring musician, he chose all solid state PV stuff. So my dad was like, you know, he has some kind of a guitar amp head. I'm sure he, you can have it. Like it's literally been sitting in a garage for like 20 years. And it was a musician 400, I want to say. Yeah. It's like a four channel musician head, solid state. And I had a boss metal zone and I plugged that into a 412 cabinet that I built and put speakers in myself. And I played that for several years. I beat the hell out of it. And every time a channel would die from dropping it or spilling beer on it, then I would just move over to the next channel. And eventually... Right. <laughs> I got to the last channel and then, it, and then it died, but it was really cool. It's the only amp I've ever seen that has the high and low bass, middle and treble yeah. controls. It was really, really crazy. And I remember just being able to get any sound we wanted out of that head. Yeah. Well, we uh, actually at PV have been looking at a lot of that old school technology that we did in the seventies and eighties. And uh, I think you're going to be, impressed with some of the things that are coming out pretty soon uh, those oh yeah th that stuff was just so ahead of its time and reliable and um so let's see um so when i was 16 i remember walking in so i took guitar lessons for about six months out of this music store in federal way washington and they had i remember the day they got the 5150 combos which came out a few years after the heads i believe Yep. Um, they got the combo and I remember them opening it up and they plugged it in and it was the greatest sound I'd ever heard in my life. It was like everyone was huddled around this combo and they couldn't believe how much gain this amplifier had. Yeah. Um, six stages. I mean, nothing. I think that was the first, that was the first amp that ever had that many gain stages, if I'm not Yeah, mistaken. and it was, a big, it was a big trick to get, the, get it that way, too. We had to use a whole bunch of tricks, including in the, in the 5150 head, which is now the 6505. We used parallel axis geometry on the tubes, which is actually a patent. A lot of people wow. don't think about that, but the tubes are 
are horizontal instead of vertical in there to reduce the microphonics of the amplifier. And the way, oh. the way that they're put in there uh, and the combination of the cables has a lot to do with how that amplifier sounds. So there's been some competition lately that have brought out some uh, similar amplifiers, but they're missing a few of the important points uh, uh, on the build there, of that amp. Originally. You know, so, um, so there was that, I mean, um, my history is sprinkled so much with PV stuff. So um, when I started gigging with my first real serious band, one of our buddy bands had, he had his 5150 and we didn't know the difference even, even then, even in my early, I don't know, my, or actually my late teens, I, I still didn't know that an amplifier by itself with no pedals could produce that much gain. And we uh, are friends of ours that were in a metal band and one of their guitars had a 5150 and he used to huck this thing into the back of the, their trailer yeah. and it was the most stressful we we're just like what are you doing like this is this pristine 5150 and he would just toss it in the back and it was always just fine and he put straight into that amp and it sounded like the finger of god like it was just unbelievable um and so wow. then over what's that a lot of metal albums are recorded with that amp i mean all of the good ones are yeah, uh, exactly. for sure. <laughs> um, so, so then I was like, okay, well, I have to get, I have to get one of those. And I was able to find on Craigslist a 5152, which was the first time I owned a 5150. And I still dearly, dearly regret. I eventually, I was a kid, I was broke. I had rent to pay. I was starving. And eventually I had to sell it. And I so, so regret selling that amp. Because it, it is different than a fifty-one fifty, um, uh, but it's from the same lineage, and I just oh man, I miss that amp so much. And then over the years, you know, I'd get a sixty-five hundred five, and then like a lot of my favorite bands I would see live were playing sixty-five hundred fives. And then Unearth's Oncoming Storm came out, and you know the Killswitch Engage stuff, and like the new wave of American metal stuff came out, and those were all fifty-one fifty, you know, with a Maxon OD808 in front of it and that's right it was just it was just such a fresh tone um and I was a big Allison Chains nut being from Seattle and I was a grunge kid and Jerry Cantrell used one on the on the, the tripod uh Allison Chains record for like Sludge Factory and stuff and, um so yeah I've I've owned and played so many 5150s and 6505s and 6534s which is probably yeah in my top five favorite amps of all time. Oh, I love um, that. I, I, I'm, God. Just, I'm disappointed that that amp didn't catch on like the 6505 did. The Same. And EL34s are, are the sound for me, for metal. I mean, I love the way that they sound. Yeah. Uh, tell me a little bit about your favorite tubes and, and, and some of that too, because a lot of gear guys really haven't had the chance to AB6L6s with EL34s in the same amplifier, yeah. but it makes a difference. Makes a huge difference, um, especially in the feel as well. Um, I mean, one could argue that you could just use the EQ, but it's not the same. Um, the interaction with the speakers and the preamp sections aren't the same. Um, some amps really thrive on a particular amplifier. Um, interestingly enough, like a, a 5150 or a 6505 or 6534, like um, those amps, it, they, they sound like themselves no matter what tubes you put into them um eo34s you know the new production stuff's cool i really like the old 
old stuff. However, you know, a lot of stuff's expensive and hard to find, but like the last really, really good production tubes that are no longer made sadly are the wing C stuff. That was just phenomenal. Um, their EL 34s had this just the big giant throaty mid range and oh man. Um, along with their six L sixes as well. But I like EO 34s most of the time. Um, I've had, oh man, my buddy Keith Merrow down in Portland has this unbelievable 5150 that has, it's been modded to have its KT88s on the outside and EO34s in the middle. So it's getting like this upper mid-range buy, but with this really crystal clear bottom end and it just sounds, it's just this magical tone. Um, I don't know what he had done to it, but it's, he has so many amplifiers and he always goes back to that 5150 that he got when he was 16 years old. So. Let's talk about the invective. We sent you a couple of those to check out mm -hmm. at some point. Uh, and you, you yep. did great videos on my, we really, really appreciate that. Yeah, so yeah. Tell me a little bit about that. That's kind of the evolution, the, the big invective 120 of the 6505 in a lot of ways. Uh, I think, I think the invective really is kind of a, for me, it was kind of a sonic bridge between old and new for me. Um, had the classic tonal characteristics of a 5150, but it had, had modern features, things like a noise gate and a very, very nice boost and a, a very, very nice clean channel, which is something that the 5150, the original 5150 didn't really have. Um, it was okay. It was usable, but obviously if you're getting a 5150 for the clean channel, you're probably getting it for the wrong reasons. Yeah. But, uh, <laughs> but, um, the Invective is a really, really cool amp. Uh, the mini amp uh, is great as well. Actually, all of the mini amps that you guys have put out have been really, really awesome. I remember being blown away by playing, I think, what was the first production 6505MH. Yeah, in fact, it's still one of our best sellers, the 6505MH. And it, it was really difficult making that thing sound like it's big brother, obviously, because there's yeah. half as many tubes uh, in the 6505MH as there is in the big brother. So getting that gain to sound like it's uh, the 6505 head was a trick, but we did it. And we yeah, did, you did. It, it. You can listen to it at the house, record at three in the morning with nobody listening to you. Yeah. It sounds phenomenal. And we still sell a ton of those amps. We're really proud of it. And as you should be, that was uh, the EL84. So back to power tubes or back to tube types. EL84s traditionally for me, I instantly go, no, I don't, I don't want, I like big bottle. I like the big power. And too many small amplifiers, like when they try to downsize something, you lose so much of the low end and the resonance of uh, in an EL84, and you guys just totally circumvented that. You put the resonance control in there, and it's just like, oh, okay, this makes this makes total sense. And it's just talk about that for a second. You, the resonance control that was a PV patent, yeah. and it started yeah. on the, uh, the original 5150. Now it's on just about all of our uh, metal amps, including yeah. 605 Invective. Um, that's a huge feature. The resonance control, you know, controlling the movement of the speaker at different volume levels is key to get yeah. chug without cranking the amp up to, a, you know, ear bleed level. Yeah. Um, so the resonance back in the day. So like when you first start, the very first time you plug in with 5150 or 6505, you instantly just want to crank it. Even if you're, even if you're into a 412, even if you're at band volume, which you shouldn't do if you're listening to this, don't, don't instantly crank it to 10. Um, but you know, a lot of people don't realize what that is there for is, you know, like the lower the volume, the higher you can, 
you can typically crank the resonance and that's compensating for the lack of air that's not being moved from the volume of the speakers exactly. pushing them that is that was so so brilliant and kudos uh to james brown for for his uh his just his magic that he worked with that amplifier and the, and the triple x and just a whole bunch of other amplifiers yeah absolutely that's, so tell me your favorite PV story. You know, I, I've been playing in bands okay. and, and gears falling off of buses and trucks. And, you know, there's been, there's all these different types of stories. Or tell me your favorite PV story of running into somebody at PV or talking to Hartley. I know you've had a chance to, to talk to him at some point. Oh, Hartley's a gas. Uh, he's so, he's so humble and amazing. And I just, uh, I, I was, I was really taken aback because I mean, I'm, I'm not anyone special. He's partly like, like the things that he has done for the music industry, CNC machine with, uh, you know, introducing computer program stuff, the guitars back in the late seventies, the list goes on and on and on. Like that guy is a legend for a reason. And he, people kept trying to come up to him. I think they were, you know, business folks from PV. They needed his attention on stuff. He was like, Nope, we're having a conversation right now. Go away. Like, like that meant a lot to me. Um, and it was just really, really cool using the products, basically my entire playing life. And then he was just like, sh just shooting the breeze. Like it was so awesome. Um, okay. Favorite PV story. Um, we had a van. Okay. This, I was a kid. I was probably 16, 17. Uh, this is that musician 400 head and someone didn't, I had to pick up. The other ones, guys had a van. Well, most of the stuff wouldn't fit in the van, so I had to pick up truck, a little toy to pick up truck. They didn't put, they didn't lock the gate, and my head was the very last to go in, close to the gate. And we hit a speed bump, and I hear the gate go down, and I look in my side view mirror, and that 400 head is doing end over end, 25 miles an hour, boom, 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 goes off into the side, and I am horrified because I think, okay, well, my amp's done um because how could it not be uh it was it was pretty cosmetically messed up it was you know the tolex was just all messed up but uh it was fine it didn't care at all being solid state thank god if that was a tube head that would have been a different story but uh it was fine it was totally fine and i fired it up plugged into it and uh used it for the next six six months or a year after yeah. that yeah, you don't know how many stories I hear like that. And, and it is really, you know, PV is a small group of guys. I think you've met everybody at PV, really, that so. uh, it, yeah. it is, in the, is in the engineering and, uh, and the product department. Small group of guys. Everyone here is a musician. That's how we, we all ended up here is because we were not very good at being rock stars. <laughs> we are fortunate enough to be in the industry, which is cool. But, um, you know, and we're all passionate about making good gear. You know, right now yeah. – on some new amplifiers that I'm really excited to show you and the rest of the world. Wait. Man, it's, it, I can't wait to get them out either. So uh, we're, we're going to have some new instruments too. I think you're going to be digging when you see them. Yeah, it's, it's, it, we've been working on this stuff for a couple of years now. And uh, it's about time for the world to see some new gear from PV. I'm really excited to get it to you. Uh, when uh, I'm going to put you on the spot here. When are you guys going to make a proper issue of like the T40 stuff? T40 bass and T40 guitars, <laughs> man. Come on. Funny you should mention that. Oh, dude. Oh, well, you know, I'm a huge fan of Superferrite pickups. 
Now, okay. a lot of people that are probably watching this have no idea what I'm talking about. But the first time I picked up a, a PV base that had a Super Ferrite pickup in it, I was blown away. I mean, it was, I said, where's the battery? Is this thing active? I mean, it's just loud. It sounds like an active pickup. It's passive. Yeah. And I turned to Hartley and I said, well, why did you quit making this? He said, well, nobody bought it. <laughs> the people quit buying it. And I said, well, fair. That's, that's fair. fair. Way ahead of its time. Way ahead of its time. So that there, there are some things that um, we did back then that were the right things to do that we shouldn't have abandoned so easily. You know, I mean, some, sometimes you just got to, if you got something that's great, you just got to keep at it and keep at it and keep at it until the rest of the world catches on that it's, that it's cool. But, man, we've got some exciting things happening. Uh, we are talking about T-Series gear. Yeah. Uh, there's a lot of great things about the old T-Series. One of them that wasn't so great was the weight of the thing. I mean, you'd have back problems today if you put it on. For eh, true, but come on. I mean, I like a heavy guitar, although those, to be fair, like, All right. those, were, those were crazy, though. Those were those were really, really heavy. <laughs> yeah, well, <laughs> the heavier the guitar, the better it was going to sound. You know, so. um, and then, let's see. Any chance of ever reissuing the VTM? I'm, put you, I'm putting you on the spot. See, that's um, it's unfair of me. I, hey, I think in some form, that amplifier has a good ch chance of, of God, that life. Soundgarden, so, dude. Like, right. oh. well, there's a couple of other. I mean, there's there's a whole bunch of bands right now. There that are, are that are that are happening uh, that are using old PV gear right now. Yeah, I know. We are paying. Yeah, yeah. So uh, there's going to cool. be the cool stuff that you know. I want to hear from our customers. I mean, more, more, more than anything, if we've got a home run, I want to hear about it. If something sucks, I want to hear about it. Or somebody's sure. got an idea to make something better. We need to hear it at PV because all we're trying to do is make a better mousetrap, you know, and, and sure. do a better job. And it's still, it's PV is still making gear for the working musician. That's been our philosophy forever. You know, we, we, we try to pay attention to the people that are out there that are, gigging musicians and gigging musicians let's face it they're not exactly the wealthiest people in the world right so, i mean no i mean we all we, nope. i was there you know it, yep. it's a struggle so we're always mindful of making great gear uh, at a reasonable price you know and and making great gear that's better than gear that's twice the price we never sacrifice and try to make something cheap that's not what we're about but we try to to make the best gear we can keeping in mind the people that are buying it and using it are people like yeah, that. yeah. So, always yeah, absolutely. So, yeah, uh, I, I really appreciate your time. Tell me one more thing, though. I can't let you go before I, I understand what a black metal bicycle is all about. <laughs> like a I just black metal <laughs> or what, what's going on there? Um, okay, so it's a slightly funny story. It's not really that funny, but um, I just needed a name to put out stuff, and I needed a name for the website at the time, and. Uh, I'm a huge fan of a band called uh, Cancer Bats. Uh, and Jay, their bass player, actually bought three 70s T40 basses, and he tours with those all over the world, sweats them out. It's, yeah. Um, that was a not applicable side story to the one I'm telling you this. But they had, a, uh, they had a song called Black Metal Bicycle on their album at the time. Now, that was simply, I found out later that that was just named after Liam the Singer's messenger bike because he was a messenger in Vancouver, Canada. Oh. Um, I read that as black, black metal bicycle. Like I, for some reason in my brain, it was like this real serious metal musician <laughs> with corpse paint having to ride a bike 
to work or something like that. Like that's how it, I run it too. It, it really kind of, yeah, it was very anti, anti tough, serious. And that was kind of like, that's kind of just how I live my life. So I just thought, yeah, that's really, really cool. And I liked it. And I was totally off on what they meant by it, but I, I stuck with it anyway. And I got the permission to use it anyway. So that's awesome. Well, I appreciate it. <laughs> this was an amazing interview and um, I appreciate you supporting PV. Uh, I can't do our new gear and Hartley really appreciates it too. He's right down the hall right now after 50, 54 years doing this. Well, tell him I say hello. I will and uh, thank you for having me, man. I really appreciate it. Appreciate it. We'll talk to you again soon. Thanks again. All right, dude. See ya.